Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all to the greatest show of them all, volume 103 of the NFC East mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. I'm struggling to speech because my face, uh, struggling to speak, not speech because my face is being attacked by allergies. You can also watch this on the blog and the boys YouTube channel, the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. Make sure to check out all of the NFC East content all throughout the SB Nation universe. I, from Blogging the Boys, I'm Arjo Ochoa. He, from Bloom Green Nation, is Brandon Lee Gowden. He is also your flight attendant for this flight. If you are watching it on YouTube, you had some of those vibes going on. What do you mean? Oh, because of the, like my the hand instructions. The, yeah. Yeah, like the, the pre-flight, like, you know, fasten or keep your whatever. You ever been on a flight where they're like, uh, you know, uh, did anybody lose a $100 bill? And then everybody looks up and they're like, now that I have your attention. And then everybody's like, ah, got, got him. him. Yeah. No, so I guess not. Like <laughs> How's your day? It's going good, RJ. Uh, I'm going to see Blink-182 later tonight as we record this on Tuesday, Ooh. May 23rd. Staying over at my friend Zach's and Nicole's place in uh, uh, outside of D.C. So shout out to them for hosting me and uh, excited to see The Rock Show tonight. Uh, what's your favorite Blink-182 song? That's tough. Like song. I, I mean, there's a lot of different vibes. Uh, if we're gonna say probably most played, I mean, you're talking about like you know an obvious one, probably like you know like feeling this or something like that. Yeah, all the things she said. Like I mean, like it's fine all to go chalk. You mean all the small things? Well, uh, whatever. I'm again. My <laughs> head is under nice. incredible right. duress this morning. It's the um, off season for us too, right? <sighs> Yeah, um, I like I said, my face is under an extreme attack. I feel very swollen um, in my face. It's allergy season, um, wow. so um, it's tough. I feel like I sound that way. I'm also fighting off a sneeze mid sentence. Um, but yeah, all the small things. Again, like I was, my poem was going to be like with the, with the like amazing band. I feel like it's okay to go chalk. Like I feel like sometimes you want to go off the beaten path, but like they're they're hits because they're hits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, unlike some other bands, um, you might have deep cuts. A lot of Blink songs are only like two or three minutes anyway. They're short. So they're kind of like, they're all, they almost all could be singles in terms of like their catchiness and their, their it's pop punk. It's, it's made to be, um, you know, popular and fun. That's right. I've got. That's I'm not a big concert analysis. goer. Have, have I ever uh, told you, I, I don't really, I don't really like concerts. Like, I think I've been to maybe three. In I don't life. love them, but like, I feel like if you like a band, I like a band, I'm going to go see them. And I've never seen, Blink-182 when it comes to their full original lineup. I saw them back in 2016 when they had Matt Skiba from or Skiba from <clears throat> Alkaline Trio uh, filling in for Tom DeLonge, but uh, Tom DeLonge is now back in the band for the second time after their second breakup, so I'm excited to see the original lineup. 
that's cool. Uh, very happy for you. Very excited for you. Um, if anybody likes or does not like concerts, let us know with the hashtag mixtape concert. Um, kind of an appropriate hashtag. Maybe the most appropriate one we've ever had uh, with regards to the mixtape. Um, what we're going to do today is your idea. I suggested like six ideas that Brandon shot mm-hmm. down. Um, so I just wanted to be clear, like if this episode sucks, it's on you. Uh, we are recording That's it a bit earlier. That's not fully true. I did say one of those I think we should do in the future. Mm, yeah, but you said it because you have some like personal bias involved there. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll get to that one down the road. Um, I do think we should mention, because I don't know if you guys talked about it on BGN Radio. We haven't really talked about it at BTB. This will be really old news by the time this episode drops. But the Thursday night football flex scheduling thing, we like to look at the tiny little quirks of schedules. Um, I talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, with Jeremy Reisman and Rachel Prevett from BGN Radio. Um, but this stinks. Like, this sucks. Like, I'm really mad about this. Like, I'm really not a fan of this whatsoever. I can't imagine that you are. Uh, but, I mean, this just is dumb. Blue there ended up being more time, I guess, than I thought in terms of, like, you need 28 days notice, right, to flex those games? Correct. I think originally they wanted way less than that. I think They, they wanted, wanted, like, half. They wanted, like, 15 yeah. days. Yeah. So, like, I... I I like that part. I like, I mean, I, I don't like that they did it at all. Correct. I didn't see the need for it, but if they were going to do it, at least they made it so that you have like almost a month to adjust. Now. I know that for some people that's still not enough time and not a great outcome, but the, the first proposal wanting it to change on such short notice was just like downright untenable. Like that's not even just realistic at all. This one is still annoying and not good, but it's at least somewhat more acceptable relative to that. So, um, which is probably why they leak out that first one and then they come up with this. So then it makes you feel like, oh, at least it wasn't as bad as it possibly could have been. Uh, so there I am falling into the trap of that. I saw Florio had a tweet that was some, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, there's something kind of not cool about the NFL releasing the full schedule. What was like three weeks ago? And I'm sure there were a Making lot of people. such a who, big deal of it. Primetime right. event. Yeah, your tickets then, now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like there were a lot of people who probably bought tickets for this 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 window of time is basically the month of December. Um, people who bought tickets for that and and did all the other like arrangements or whatever. And that's the thing. Like, um, I'm not the only person who's ever like been to an NFL game, but like just using my own personal that's experience, true. like this would stink, dude. Like, imagine you you make like all this effort, um, you know, and it's not just like the football game that you're going to, but like if you're going to a city or something like that, you're planning maybe you're gonna go to a concert, you know what I mean? Like on a Saturday night yep. or whatever. Like you've got you're gonna go to some restaurant or something you really wanted to try. College football um, I went game and saw, potentially. Yeah, like I went and saw a Bruins game when I saw the Cowboys in New England and stuff like that. So like you're tailoring your entire trip around the scheduled time and then it doesn't happen or it gets moved and adjusted like that would really stink. Um, And so I feel for people who are eventually inevitably going to have to go through that. Who will be the first NFC East team to experience this? Um, Well, it's funny you bring that up because I didn't want to like try to guess. and I talked about this with Jeremy. I don't know if you listened to Monday Football Monday, so I don't think you were traveling. I didn't me. get a chance to listen yet. I'm behind right. because I'm... That's super hurtful, but whatever. Um, so the Thursday night football slate for weeks 13 through 17, which are the games that are eligible to be flexed out of, kind of stinks. Like, I mean, you can kind of see why they want to protect themselves here. So the first one, the first game is actually the Seahawks in Dallas. Um, there's very little chance that the NFL flexes out of that, obviously. That's seven days after Thanksgiving. Week 14, Thursday night football, Brandon. We've got the Patriots in Pittsburgh. Do you really want to watch that game? Um, no. Uh, that week, um, the Eagles um, are in Dallas on Sunday Night Football. So that game is not moving. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Giants, for what it's worth, um, 
play the Packers on Monday Night Football. So, again, they're not moving either. Um, week 15, Thursday Night Football, so eligible to be moved out. We've got the Chargers in Vegas. Boring. Like, do, you really, do you really care about that? I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, that next week. Love that game. Ooh, we've, we've got um, – We've got this the Eagles in Seattle. That's a noon game right now. Like, couldn't you okay. see that maybe being so? Like, let's live in that yeah. example. Say you find out a month out that the the week after playing a road Sunday night game, the Eagles, the Eagles then have to travel across the country for oh, a sure Thursday we... night football game because they got flexed in. That would stink. Yeah. Like, beside, beyond all of the other things, like there's there's so many things about this that stink. That's incredibly unfair. <laughs> a really big disadvantage to the Eagles. Um, and it's but... really unfair, like, to – to it, it, there's both fairs, fair and unfair. Or there's no fair. But, like, imagine you play the Eagles the next week, like after the Seahawks game that we're talking about hypothetically here. So now you were, you were going to get the Eagles on the normal week, right, like coming off of a Sunday. So while, granted, they have to go through the tough Thursday game, now they get a week and a half to prepare for you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, now you've compromised that game. And the call it Chargers Raiders game, the teams that were gonna get them off of a week and a half now get them off of a standard week. You know what I mean? The the little advantage that they had or that they, they were not they were gonna be up against is now mitigated. Like it's just stupid. I don't like this whatsoever. Yeah, the Giants wouldn't like that because the Eagles and Giants play on Christmas. So the, the Eagles would have that mini buy going into potentially right. a big divisional game. Although, you know, I think the Eagles Seahawks like that's a again a disadvantage in a game that could be pretty important for playoff seeding so you know it kind of works both ways uh the Seahawks are the true birds of the NFC by the way um is anybody doing the bird gauntlet this year what does that mean what are you even saying what kind of comment is that have you never heard of that before what that was that was the thing um I think no not the gauntlet thing just the true bird thing what is that like oh yeah the like if I say the birds I'm talking about the Seahawks not the Eagles (laughs) no I mean, this is bad. Yeah. This is really bad trolling. Uninspired um, trolling by you. Anyway, uh, tell us what we're talking about today. This was your thing. So, again, if it sucks, it's on you. Well, I forget. So, <laughs> maybe we should just um, this. No. Uh, I am. I propose that we talk about the top breakout player candidates from each team. And, in addition to that, because, you know, it can't only just be about the positives. We have to bring it down a bit. The top step back players from each team in the nfc east so i think it's important to do some table setting here and this is a little bit along the lines of overrated underrated but not quite but same kind of disclaimer needs to be said where you can't take a step back if you were never actually good like my example that i just brought up to zach because he was like hey what are you guys going to talk about in the mixtape today and i was like so let's say jalen rager for example was still on the eagles He's not a step back candidate. He's just bad. Like you're not you're not stepping back from anything. Um, and like likewise, <clears throat> if you're already established and you're great, I don't think you can break out again. So you've already broken out. So we're trying to find the next great players in the division is the goal, and the players who kind of might be on their way out. So Micah Parsons can't break out. To your point. Um, unless you if you you can pick him but you're picking him to have like a 25 sack season or you know you're yeah you've got to break like you you have to do something contextually that is breaking out relative to where you currently are Mm -hmm. okay are we ready to start sure so we're going to do breakthrough breakouts and step backs did you pick the term step back because um you've got the nba finals on your brain step back no i i've been i did a little bit of uh gambling though for my friends 
the DraftKings mm. uh, and uh, no took one the Nuggets. Took Jokic. Um, I actually have haven't been on the Nuggets and it's been working out for me. So nothing too big. Um, kind of playing with house money at this. Point. I think but, it's amazing it's that they had never swept a series ever. That's amazing to me. Like that's it's really hard to do. I just, but like over th- how many years? Like that's just wild. It's just so I mean, hard though. You just like don't really, I can, I mean, we've seen I can buy the no finals thing, but like uh, I also thought it was really poetic that they made their first NBA finals ever on the day that Carmelo retired. It was just like really nice yeah. poetry. Um, sure. Okay, so let's start. Uh, will LeBron James retire this offseason, Brandon? No, he's not. He's gonna. He wants to play with his son at some point. It's very obvious. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start there. I think there are some very obvious breakout candidates in terms of like media. You're gonna see a lot of lists that are like the top breakout candidates. Have you already seen some of these? And this is actually uh, one of the ones I've seen. Uh, Nicobe Dean R.J. I think he's prime breakout to break out. Huh? Not hard to break out like again relative to last year that's my point last also year. just because of his opportunity at that position where the eagles don't have much at linebacker so he's gonna get like every, it's not like last year where they had some established veterans and you know he might not to see the field because he gets beat out um not even necessarily he was looking bad just because there were better alternatives that were in front of him and this year there's like pretty much no one in front of him other than maybe nicholas morrow but i mean still uh, I think that Kobe Dean, the Eagles really need him to break out as part, as part of the pick here because if they do not have that, then they're going to have maybe the worst linebackers in the division. Not that it's a great division of linebackers, but um, the Kobe Dean, everyone thought he was a steal last year. I've kind of pumped the brakes on that a little bit from the standpoint that um, he fell for some kind of reason. I don't know what that reason is fully, uh, but I, I think it's not like, you know, I'm not to the point where I think the Kobe Dean's going to come in and be like an all pro pro bowl player from the jump. But I do think he can be a nice starter at linebacker, which would be constitute a breakout from him after mostly being a backup last year. And um, yeah, I think there's the potential for him to do it. I think that that is a good pick. If you're playing the game that, that, that we are right. Like again, if you're looking at variables and things like that, like who can break out, like it's, you know, again, the, the, the floor is or the bar is very, very, very low. You know what I'm saying? So like you don't have to do a lot. And I think like I think there's there there tends to be like um like name fatigue. Like people like um like we talk about like like flex scheduling, like national broadcasts, like they love to kind of hit the hits. You know what I mean? Like they'll talk about like the big name guys, but they love to kind of talk about that diamond in the rough. So you could like couldn't you see like the Eagles on Sunday night football and like Chris Collinsworth going on like a little spiel about Nicobe Dean and like you know he was breaking down his tape like during the week, or whatever. Like you could kind of see that and that like elevates a person. I think that's a really good pick. So kudos to you. Um, again, Collinsworth the game. also really likes like a specific skill that someone does, I feel like. And right. Kobe Dean kind of had a reputation for being a good blitzing linebacker, even though he's an inside backer. He's not like coming off the edge in college. So I could see, you know, Kobe Dean coming on a blitz or two and being like, yeah, you know, that's what he did at Georgia. He came on those blitzes. So yeah, um, that's true. Um, and then and then like that's like again, like that's a. a like a port into the Georgia thing. You know what I'm saying? And like, you could see like somebody taking it and then being like, and I tell you, these Eagles, they got Eagles, all they got them all dollars, players. you know? Yeah. I, and then like, you could see like Collins thing. I thought I saw Kirby smart on the sideline over there. You know what I mean? Like it's just like the, the narrative. You could also see the graphic too. Like, you know, or you could just draw it with the telestrator. Like, Oh, this guy's a Georgia player. This guy's right. a Georgia oh, player. That's so gonna happen. Around everyone. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Are you ready for my breakout? I think we should sure. like kind of okay. So uh, mine is also a Georgia Bulldog, um, and again yeah. playing the game, um, low bar to clear kind of thing. Um, this is a more unique one, but DeAndre Swift. 
Um, because mm. DeAndre Swift succeeding. In, Interesting. And I think that the level of success is not even necessarily going to be like super large from a volume standpoint, but it will feed the like how we did it again, how we pulled him off. Can you believe how he traded like nothing pennies on the dollar for him? Um, I'm sure you've like studied this throughout you know the time he's been an Eagle, but off the top of your head, do you know his career high in rushing touchdowns? DeAndre Swift's career high in rushing touchdowns? Yeah, in, is... a, in a single season. I'm going to say eight. It is eight. That was his rookie season in 2020. I'm looking Each at of, it right now, so I'm sure. Okay, well, never mind. Then Each of the last two years, he's had five. Um, he has not topped seven, 600. His career high in rushing yards is 617. Like, mm -hmm. pretty low yeah. production. And that's Especially not like... relative to name value. That's what I'm saying. Like, he is a super hot commodity. And we look at Miles Sanders the last four years, which I think is an important kind of, like, context level here. Uh, last year, 1,269 yards. Nice. I know. 11 touchdowns each every single year that miles sanders has been an eagle he has had at least 754 rushing yards which again would easily be a deandre swift's career high so like I, like i could see deandre swift having like a quote-unquote career year and that being an important part of the analysis here um my face is under attack it's really difficult to to speak but yeah so my answer is deandre swift like again i think that um we could see, I don't want to spoil my Giants pick, but we could see some regression on that side of things with, with regards to the running back position. Um, and running back is kind of the, like, the, you know, the hot name. You know what I mean? Like, you could see DeAndre Swift being, like, I don't know, like, RB7 in, in fantasy, mm -hmm. and that being, like, a big part of his name value. I, I would presume that, especially now that he's been paid, that, you know, the Eagles want to utilize Jalen Hurts a little bit less down near the goal line. And I would see DeAndre Swift maybe like vulturing some of those touchdowns, so to speak. Like I could see his name really being boosted by things. Yeah, I think that's a fair pick by you. I think it's a little hard for me to believe from the standpoint of um, like that he's going to explode uh, from a volume pr uh, perspective from the standpoint that the Eagles don't really use their running backs that heavily, like any specific one too much. Um, also, like... I, I guess like anytime, you know, you get a running back, it's like, well, our offensive line is going to be way better. It's like, well, the Lions had one of the best offensive lines in the league. Like now the difference there again is that you have Jalen Hurts instead of uh, Jared Goff, which I think is a big deal when it comes to helping your running back. And I think Miles Sanders and other Eagles running backs have certainly benefited from his mobility. But um, I think the Eagles running back position as a whole has some real like boomer bust potential. I think there's a right. path where, Rashad Penny stays healthy. He looks like one of the, he might be like the best running back in the league next year. Like there's a path. I don't think it's likely in terms of him staying healthy because he's never done it, but like th that's the ceiling of him is he could be one of the best players at his position. DeAndre Swift could also be up there if maybe Penny gets hurt and Swift stays healthy and he's the guy and he's thriving. Um, but there's also a really low floor. There's also an outcome where like Penny doesn't stay healthy. Swift looks like oh there's a reason why the lions moved on from this guy time and time again and never like he's just fine at best or he's making mistakes um and then what do the eagles have behind those two guys i mean not a ton boston scott's not like a full-time guy um kenny gainwell did some nice things in the playoffs last year but uh that's kind of a smaller sample size maybe he's just kind of you know he doesn't really materialize into anything so i think there's a really uh low floor for the Eagles running back room but there's also a high ceiling so it's going to be if very you, my my overall point is if you took all 22 Eagles starters and you like laid out the like distance to gain so to speak to become the best player at their position the smallest distance belongs to DeAndre Swift you know I'm saying like like if everyone's starting many. at zero I mean, whatever, like either way, like that's my point. Like it's easy. Like if you want to be the best player in the NFL, your respective position, like right now, the position to play is running back. That, that's my point. You know what I'm saying? So 
Um, yeah, that's my thought. Last thing on the backs is the usage will be interesting and factoring into the Swift part here because I think there's debate. Like if both of those guys are healthy, who's going to lead the Eagles in touches? I think it'd be Swift. If I said touches there, but you're looking at carries, I think Penny is going to be the guy. Although um, it could totally depend on like how they're playing and who is. I don't like hot hand. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to use that term when it comes to running backs. How does that make hot hand? I like hot um, feet better. I mean, who is the hot feet? I mean, you put the ball in their hands, like you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, but like, where does that face come running from? Back. Like, I don't know. But what what originally had the hot hand? You know what I'm the saying? Quarterback, like, maybe. I guess so. I mean, but like, that makes sense. Who puts the ball on their feet though? Like every, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah, but they're using uh, their feet back to candidates. run. What's the title? Of feet, the title step of... back candidates. What's the step title back of their job? Running step back. Step back candidates. Um, hot legs. Should I go first? Should I go first? Yeah. Um, so again, playing the game here, like relative to who they are, they're standing in the NFL, their current overall assessment, et cetera, et cetera. I thought about going Jason Kelsey because like, it's so difficult to continually be Kelsey. No, I actually really like him. That's what bothers me about him. Like, I hate how likable he is. Um, but I mean, you get my point. Like, it's so difficult to be that good over and over and over again. I'm not picking Jason Kelsey. That's my point. I'm for all pros in the last five years. My pick is going to be Lane Johnson because for similar wow. reasons, like I think it's it's difficult to hold that line. It's 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 a, it becomes like the battle of attrition wears on you. And I I certainly don't want any player to get injured, but like injuries are a part of his his deal. You know what I'm saying? Like I could see like at sure. the end of next season, you know, people being like, it's just like right now a conversation that people are having within the Cowboys world about is about like is it worth having Tyron Smith around because you never know when that time bomb is going to go off, right? Like it's it makes it difficult to plan and like. In a vacuum, it's like, yeah, well, of course, I'd rather have Tyron Smith than not have him, whatever. I think there's a similar plight with Lane Johnson. Like, I, again, no Eagles fan would rather not have him than have him. But the like, the lack of stability associated with him, I think, will be a part of the overall narrative even more so after this coming season. Kudos to him. I mean, the fact that he's come back from all these injuries, and he's an impressive human being and all sorts of things. But, again, I'm playing the game. That's my pick. I don't think it's crazy in a, like, if I'm, if I'm, trying to support your point it would be that you know uh aging offensive lineman it's a concern injury history like you pointed out i also think from a mental standpoint not commenting on his mental health but in terms of like he's talked about openly like last season he was talking about yeah i'm probably going to retire in maybe two years or maybe a few years left so i think and he's considered retirement before so maybe that he reaches a point uh where it's just like his heart isn't in it anymore sooner than he expects um and I'm not, that's not a critique, by the way, too. If your heart's not in it, then that's just, you know, how things are going. Um, but uh, I don't, I, I, Lane is not someone I bet against. Uh, my pick for this is Darius Slay, who people will say I am a hater of. Yeah, um, you are a hater. I think, I think he didn't play his best ball down the stretch last year. He started oh hot, and I think he didn't finish as well. And, I honestly wrote down in my notes, I put like Darius Slay or James Bradbury. I think I, I believe in Bradbury more, though I genuinely do. But from that standpoint of why I wrote that, I mean, Darius Slay turned 32 earlier this year and James Bradbury's over 30. It just seems like, you know, cornerback is going to be a position where that age might start to be felt sooner than later and not age as well as some other positions. So um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily know which one of those guys <laughs> might step back. I would think. I'm going to bet on Slay just because, in part, he's older. Uh, and I think I was more of a believer in Bradbury's season last year anyway. 
Uh, so I think it's very possible that one of those two guys steps back because they're aging at a position where I think, you know, it's like, I think that position doesn't necessarily age well as others do. I do think that the regression that is being discussed a lot that could, would, will, might, may come for the Eagles um, could be most felt at the corner position specifically, right? Like, you know, again, yeah. like I, like to, to bring up Blaine Johnson, like that's a position that has withstood, you know, the test of time, you know, and generally does like across different teams, right? Like we're talking about the Eagles right now, but um my only, my only like clap back to you would be like, well, you kind of hate Darius Slay anyway, so like it's difficult to like step back from like what you think already kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Well, I mean like, like he'd have to really implode. Last couple of years though, I'm saying like you know he doesn't make that. Also, I should mention that I don't know how big of a difference this is, but Slay did give a lot of credit to former Eagles defensive backs coach Denard Wilson, who isn't back now, so maybe that's a factor too. They lose their defensive backs coach, and that plays in a role. And for all of his faults, Jonathan Gannon, one thing he has done well in, if you look at his track record. Like generally speaking, or at least more often than not, the defensive backs that he's been involved with have had good years under his coaching at some level. I don't know how much he's responsible for that, especially when he's the defensive coordinator. But like that's an area. Now I think you could say the same thing about Sean Desai, but um, but we'll see. I, I think that's an area where um, there could be some kind of decline there. Um, my nose is just like running like crazy. This is just, I hate this. This is really awful. Um, okay, are we ready to move on to the Cowboys? Yes. Uh, breakthrough. You go first. Uh, my breakout player for the Cowboys is a very trendy one. So you already know what I'm going to say after I said that. Um, I think. Wait, if it's very trendy, is it Sam Williams? Is that your pick? No, uh, he was another candidate, but I think everyone's looking at Jake Ferguson there in part because the opportunity is there. It's mm -hmm. almost like the Nicobe Dean theory here where. They spent like, the second round they, pick on a tight end though. But here's the thing, um, <clears throat> having seen the Eagles do that multiple times with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, those guys don't come in and be instant difference makers. Tight end is a position, especially relative to other ones, that takes time for guys to really factor in in the league. And now maybe that's offset a little bit by the fact that um, Luke Schoonmaker is like 70 years old as a rookie. But I think there's still going to be a learning curve there. And I think Jake Ferguson has the opportunity in front of him and small sample size alert. He performed, or at least had some good, it's like positive ridiculously small sample size. Ridiculously small sample size. Twenty-three targets, but he didn't have a drop, and he had one hundred and thirty-three point three passer rating when targeted. So maybe there is something there with him. It's kind of more of like you know a long shot. If we're placing bets on this, you know, I think that the odds would be very favorable in terms of being able to win a lot of money. It's certainly like a big projection here. It's a big leap of faith. But I think when you look at opportunity and looking at the fact that. Um, he's not going to have to really carry the offense in any way because you have CD Lamb, you have uh, you added Brandon Cooks. I think Michael Gallup. I mean, like, so he would be a prime example of like who you couldn't pick because Gallup had a he already did have the step back last year. Like he he's the player that actually happened to. You could actually say maybe he would break out from his slump from last year. Um, but I do think just by being such a kind of forgotten about option, he might benefit from that. And not be like one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but I think he could the drop off from Dalton Schultz to him might not be as big as people think. Um, I think that that's more of a testament to like the tight end position um, than it is to like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's difficult to replace Dalton Schultz, not because Jake Ferguson's awesome, 
but because I don't think it's difficult. Like that we've seen Dak Prescott have a lot of success with different tight ends, like over the course of his career, which has been really interesting. Like Jason Witten, obviously early on, um, he kind of made Blake Jarwin a little bit, um, the little kind of cup of coffee that he had with the Cowboys. And then Dalton Schultz, obviously like Dalton inherited that role and it was really weird. Um, I wrote something the week of the draft that really interested me about um, the tight ends in general. So um, this was the Cowboys tight ends last year. And again, admittedly, very small sample size for Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, who was an undrafted free agent that the Cowboys found last year at tight end. Um, so these, these are the Cowboys tight ends last year. This is yards before the catch per reception. Um, so mm. basically how far they ran down the field before they caught the ball effectively. Um, and so Dalton Schultz, 6.5. So there's a lot of like, you know, moving a little bit, turning around, catching the ball, hopefully some yak associated with that. Peyton Hendershot, 5.1. I want you to guess Jake Ferguson's. Again, very small sample size in terms of number of catches, but yards before the catch per reception. 9.9. 2.6. Um, super, <laughs> like, you know, curl route, not even curl, like drag routes, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like all just right near the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's the exact opposite of what Luke Schoonmaker is, mm. is like thought to be for the Cowboys. And that's what I think they want. That's what I think they're going after. I think they want a vertical threat. So um, I agree that like the opportunities there, like you, I could totally see Jake Ferguson having like eight touchdowns, like just, you know, and having kind of um, like the name I always think about is like LaRon Robinson for the Cowboys in 2011. Like, like that could totally happen. And maybe that like meets your criteria, uh, but that wouldn't be my pick personally. But yeah, good job. You messed up. It's okay. <laughs> Who is your big? Let's get to it. Um, um, well, I thought about a number of, of, of players, obviously. I thought about going Mike McCarthy, um, honestly, but I didn't want to get like two in the weeds here. <laughs> um, that being said, I'm going to go with Mozzie Smith um, because mm, there is like an rookie. opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, and like I could totally, we talked about like envisioning what Chris Collinsworth could say. Like I could totally see like a Sunday night game uh where the cowboys are obviously on and everyone's talking about them and then like like just tweets like filling my timeline that are like mozzie smith is everywhere like like he's just you know clogging the run whatever and i mean if any you know the cowboys have have historically and i think they get a little bit too much credit for this but like people are like oh well they draft really well in the first round yeah you should like, <laughs> like if, if you can't hit your first round pick like that's a problem you know what i mean but um but their first round picks have come in and done really well Every year, just about. I mean, save for obviously Taco Charlton, Taco Charlton. fellow Michigan man. Um, but mm. I mean, the, the fact that he gets to to play along a defensive line that features the likes of Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, like the opportunity is going to be there. And I'm I'm inclined to give the Cowboys this benefit. They saw a, a, an athlete in Micah Parsons that Penn State, who I know you love. Um, by the way, I think it's kind of hypocritical that you don't support Penn State. Because you're Mr. Like, you have to root for the teams that you are, you know, near and where you're from, and you don't support them. Penn State is very, first of all, I don't like hate Penn State. Second of all, mm, you uh, troll them when they lose. Them. That's hate. Philadelphia. Um, it's Pennsylvania, not, though. Not, but it's like, yeah, but come on. Like, Pittsburgh and Philly no, are not no, the same no. thing. No, mm -hmm. it's not. Micah it's Parsons really isn't not. from Philadelphia, and you're over here like, oh, well, he's like blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think I've said this to you before. Of... The distance between Pittsburgh and Philly is like the difference between Philly and Boston. Anyway, um, so, but the Cowboys saw an athlete in Micah Parsons that Penn State didn't utilize the way the Cowboys do, obviously. And that, a similar sort of thing has happened here. And that, I think, has happened with Luke Schoonmaker a little bit at Michigan. Like, they're focused on playing a certain type of football um, that worked for them in, in the way that it did or, or didn't, however you want to define that. Um, and so I think Mozzie Smith is the player that I, I think mm. has a breakthrough. Like, I, I could see Mozzie Smith, like, again, filling, fulfilling the narrative of, like, Cowboys first-round picks, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the opportunity for the story is there.
I think it's going to be hard from a standpoint of, I think he could, he could play well, but it's going to be hard for that to really materialize into hype from the standpoint of his aesthetic. You know, talking about a guy here who had what half a sack in like, I just don't know that even if he's playing his role well, I don't know that the, like the flash is going to be there to kind of constitute a breakout. Um, so I think that could be tough from that perspective. Also, by the way, you had he mentioned ha- Michael has, Parsons. Sorry, just to add, he has like a really electric personality. Um, and I say this like as right now behind you on my screen, Gerald McCoy is on Good Morning Football. Like he he's not quite like that colorful of a, of a character, but like he like I could see him having some like buzz clips, whatever, like except like again, I think the overall package is there for him to become a household name, so to speak. I think that with Parsons, one of the most overrated storylines, and I think I've brought this up before on the podcast, specifically when it's come to like Tony Pollard in the slot. It's like this mythical off-season position change thing where they talked about moving Micah to linebacker, or sorry, to defensive and full-time. He's not going to be linebacker, even though then that was refuted, right, by him or the coaching staff. It's just so dumb. There's people are like obsessed with position changes. Like there's this off season storyline. I get nothing's going on, so we talk about it. But like, just never even it, for like ninety nine percent of the time, it amounts to absolutely nothing meaningful. Like last time around this time last year, people were talking about oh JJ Arthega Whiteside moving to tight end. Like he basically but they're not tight end as a wide they're not changing Mozzie's position. They're just you I'm know not, talking not about asking Mozzie now. This is a pet peeve with Micah that I meant to bring oh. up that we didn't talk about here. This is totally I mean, but Micah is. Micah is the one though. Like if you're like, oh, talking about like a player changing positions, like he kind of But he's not it. even like, changing he, it. I mean, I don't think he's changing it because like he's he's already like he played over 80% of his snaps at, at pass rusher last year. So like it, there's nothing to change to. Yeah, I think right, Dan Quinn agree. just is like that's my point. I think Dan though. Quinn is like, like quit quit putting attention. On this. And why would he need to change? He's doing well. Don't change any. It's just dumb. People get so obsessed with that. RJ has left the recording premises uh for those who are not watching the audio or sorry the video version which by the way you should and can watch on the bleeding green nation youtube page which is really the, the best place to watch it uh or blocking the boys youtube page uh i always read the comments or try to read the comments on those so we appreciate those who do the feedback for the show and also do that on apple podcast i'm just turning this little break here into an ad basically um also check out righteous felon craft jerky if you're looking for some snacks in your life you can get the highest quality meat snacks possible and at a discount by using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order rj is back now rj i'm back were you back. talking about how micah is the player who lives most rent free in your head and how you're so we are gonna go to the step back players and i think there's a by very way, obvious what well i was gonna say by the way um so i have a roll of toilet paper um mm-hmm. this is my move when i'm sick i get i get a roll of toilet paper and like a like a grocery bag i'm saying and like i just put that with me i'm just like blowing my nose and stuffing it the whole time so i'm not sick that's but a great this is just image an uncomfortable for people deal. who really want to hear about for. that top step back in it is tony pollard it's very obvious he's coming off the injury he basically had a breakout last year uh, it seems like it's going to be hard for him to match that with the injury coming off of that. Although Mike McCarthy did say he wants to run the ball a lot more, but I think the oh injury is tough. And I think when the Cowboys inevitably sign Ezekiel Elliott, he's still going to be in the uh, in the mix as well. So yeah, he's my step back candidate. 
you are like talking to a human version of the bag that I fill my tissues with. Um, you know, what's so... going to happen. <laughs> no, I, I also think the, like I said this then, like it was so dumb that people for, I'm like, were like, Oh, McCarthy wants, and people are still leaning on that. They literally cut Zeke a week after that. They, I He's going to be like, back. They, they, He's going to be back. I disagree. Uh, and they literally, like, literally after Mike McCarthy like said, the, we want to run the ball, they cut Zeke and traded for Brandon Cubs. But but they want to they want to run the ball. I mean, like, it's dumb to me. Um, I think the Cowboys don't mind being connected to Zeke in, in public conversation, but they have moved on. Um, it, it would be very Cowboys-ish, like, in terms of brand to bring him back. But they have um, yes. they have moved on. I think it's fair to bring up Tony Pollard. Um, there was a lot of conversation last year about how um, the coaching staff may or may not have not wanted him to exceed a number of touches in a game because he's not as like durable or blah, 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 mm -hmm. whatever. Obviously he got hurt in the playoff game, although that wasn't like a, a result of like wear and tear. It was just a, an unfortunate thing. The unfortunate tackle, which obviously was a discussion point over the off season. Um, I mean, I think like if you're looking for candidates to step back, I think that's that's a, a fair one. I think you can make the same sort of argument for Zach Martin that I made for Lane Johnson, right? Like at some point you have to hit a wall. Um, that that is one for me. I think you know, and this one bothers me a lot, but it might be Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, like he's just been about quietly him. he's been quietly very good for a very long time. And again, like you're just like there's it, just. You, it's been nine years since the Cowboys. He was the same draft as Zach Martin, actually. I mean, back to back picks. And so, I mean, I, it's hard. I don't have one I feel like passionate about because, I mean, I can see a number of different options. Again, my face is just like all sorts of uh, falling apart. Uh, you could also, if I have to pick one, um, and I thought about this when I was walking bare this morning, it's J. Ron Curse because he's, mm. I don't want to say he's overhyped, but. I mean, there's a lot of like what Dan Quinn has done with him specifically. And I mean, the fact that he has been as great as he has been for the last two years has really shut me up. Like I, I did not see that coming whatsoever. Well, and I'm a big fan of his. Um, but again, the Cowboys are all, already kind of like planning for life beyond him a little bit with the safety. And they use so many safeties. Like it's just difficult to see that painting out. Okay. Uh, I did think about Demarcus Lawrence. He's had a lot of those nagging injuries, like ones that haven't been major and kept him out for long stretches but it feels like he's always like managing injuries throughout the season and just trying to get through um you know he's obviously a tough player so he ends up playing but i do think eventually those are going to take a toll with all the wear and tear which again kind of fits that lane johnson kind of uh, argument if you're looking to see some kind of drop off also if you just look at his production standpoint he kind of bounced up last year he had what like six and a half sacks after only having yeah or sorry, he had three in 2021 and he bounced up to six last year um the years prior to 2021 he had six and a half in 2025 in 2019 um he hasn't been in double digits since 2018 when he had 10 and a half so you know i think it's possible he does take a step down from that six that he had last year to maybe something again like three or so i know that was in part because he only played seven games in 2021 but i could just see his sack production um falling off a little bit um okay let's uh Take a break and then do the other teams. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Brandon, while we were gone, you told me your favorite thing to do when you're sick. My favorite thing to do when I'm sick, which I actually was feeling really sick last week. I I think I brought that up on the mixtape. So maybe you caught it from me. It's contagious. Hopefully not. Uh, It's really short lived. It was only like a 24 hour kind of thing. But uh, my favorite thing to do, not an ad, not a sponsor, but I like to go to and shout out to my mom for getting me started on this. Go to Starbucks and you get the medicine ball, which is like the citrus something, the something citrus honey tea or whatever, lemon tea. Um, it's on the the menu. It's not medicine ball in the, in the, the menu. I was about to ask. Um, like, I, I didn't know what to <laughs> so, like, it's It's not called a medicine ball, to be clear. I no, was thinking it was like, like a ball name. that they sold and you like put in a cup of water or something. No. Uh, it is uh, jade citrus mint green tea, but there's like uh, lemon with it. Uh, honey, here's the official name. Sorry, honey citrus mint tea. That's the thing you want to order if you're sick. Get one of those. I think you'll be feeling better. Nice. Um, the New York Giants breakthrough step backs. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Hang on, do this. I think my breakout candidate for them. I thought about Wandale Robinson. I think he's probably the right pick and therefore the chalk pick. And therefore, I don't want to talk about that as much. He did show some promise last year. Hey, Philip. There's a cat. Sorry. Yeah, Philip the cat Phillip? is meowing. Yeah. Wow. What else would he be doing besides meowing? Like, what other audible noises? Well, he wants to get out, I think. He's upset that the door isn't open. So maybe I'll go do that when uh, you're talking next. But um, breakout candidates. I'm not going to go Wandale Robinson, even though he showed some promise last year. I'm going to go with Evan Neal, who I think potentially could be on the Andrew Thomas track. Once upon a time, Andrew Thomas in his rookie year was not very good. And it was kind of surprising, you know, because he was a great player in college. And it was like, man, did the Giants blow this pick? Can the Giants ever get offensive line right? And he had a rough rookie year. He only ranked 63rd out of 86 offensive tackles in 2020. But he quickly has clearly become in like, I think you'd argue he might be the top left tackle in the NFC East as a whole. One of the best in the NFL. He was like the third graded offensive tackle by PFF last year. Um, So uh, different people doesn't just because Andrew Thomas did it doesn't mean Evan Neal will definitely do it, but I liked Evan Neal coming out of Alabama. Some people thought there's Philip again. Some people thought he could be like the top prospect. Uh, last year especially in a weak quarterback draft he was not Um, but I do think uh, even though he was 87th out of 89 offensive tackles last year I do think having that year under his belt and he could get better and he could be kind of a breakthrough player and I'm gonna go let Philip out so feel free to take this away Brandon is letting Philip out maybe he'll hold Philip up I don't know how friendly Philip is no that's not kind of the the vibe yeah um you haven't gone yet so i don't know why you told me to speak like you were gonna leave there goes brandon um anyway i don't know uh okay anyway so brandon's camera is off um this is just we're really putting this episode together with duct tape and um twigs and glue and things like that um i think that's a good pick 
Um, I do think there is an opportunity to become the new, like, de facto best left tackle in the NFC East, and the Giants have never really been a part of that conversation. I think I hear Brandon coming back. He is back. Oh, my gosh. So I was saying, um, so, like, a big part of what we've talked about here is, like, narrative, obviously, like that. And that, like, obviously kind of goes hand in hand with breakthroughs and step backs and things like that. Um, But for a while, there was, like, this rotation of, like, the best left tackle in the division or even the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it was Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, right? Like, and the Giants never had a piece of that. Like, you could see them having, like, the best left tackle. You said it, like, the best left tackle in the NFC East and that being, like, on its own what, like, propels Mm -hmm. this team. Yeah, so um, Andrew, or uh, sorry, Evan Neal, my top break. I mean, like, come on, he's Alabama offensive lineman. I just think uh, is he. Um, let me look at his age real quick. I should have looked that up before. Um, is he especially young? He's only yeah. He turned twenty two in September. He turns twenty three in September. So you know, some more experience, some more uh, growing into his body a little bit more. I think he takes a step forward. Not saying he's going to be like an all pro player this year. I don't think that. But I think any, but that's he doesn't need to. If he becomes a good starting right tackle, that's a big jump. And when's the last time the Giants had two good starting tackles? Been a long time, so that'd be a big deal for them. Um, maybe not ever in our lifetimes. You know, like what we would deem as good, like they've had serviceable tackle play. Um, like that's a good pick. For like the Super Bowl is like David was David Deal starting a tackle. You like? Yeah, Will I mean, he was there. They had more notable like interior play. Like Sean O'Hara is like the name everybody remembers. And who was it's not Sean O'Hara that's Tom Coughlin's son-in-law, right? I thought it was. Cause they they like and for the younger crowd, um, their Super Bowl team at least one of the Super Bowl teams had a guard, Christine. starting guard that was thank you. I was like, Yeah, um, he is literally Tom Coughlin's son-in-law. <laughs> so um that that I feel like that was not made a big enough deal. Like I'm not saying that he wasn't a good player, but like that was a weird thing. Um, that that really happened so um wow um okay um i'm not feeling what what did you say what were the words you said with your mouth i was gonna go to my step back but i guess you didn't say your breakthrough no i didn't break um so mine mine is gonna upset you i think you you hear me am i here yeah Um, you hear me yeah i can hear you how you doing good how are you doing (laughs) um my uh my breakthrough again playing the game contextually speaking it's not a game this is real life rj this is um, life or death daniel jones like i could see daniel jones but like having a a more like so we've done this exercise i don't know how many times where does daniel jones rank as far as nfc quarterbacks are concerned he's in the top five is he not like I mean, like, I think the top By five default, is, is yes. it's Hurts, Dak, Cousins, Goff, and Daniel Jones. Like, no, right, right now, would you, be above Daniel Jones. I mean, okay, well, he's flirting with the area. Like, uh, let me put it this way Would you rather have Daniel Jones or Matthew Stafford? I mean, it's hard to know, but I mean, I will I'll probably the fact it depends, that it's hard to know. Situation. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's hard to know hard to... Stafford's injury status. I mean, I don't know if he's healthy, so, then I'm going to take Stafford. So I don't think this is fair to do, but it is somewhat helpful. So Josh Allen's first season as a full-time starter was 2019. Obviously, they drafted him in 2018. He only played in 12 games, though. Um, So if we're looking at full body of work seasons, um, in 2019, he threw for just over 3,000 yards, had 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions. The next year, 2020, that was the year the Bills um, 
lost the AFC Championship game, right, to the uh, Chiefs. The next year, Josh Allen had a big-time jump, went to 4,500 yards, literally doubled his passing yardage by 50%, threw 37 touchdowns compared to 20, and only 10 interceptions despite throwing 90 the year before. Obviously, there was all the talk. Uh, well, like That was the improvement in accuracy as well, went from 58.8% accuracy – I'm sorry, completion to 69.2% completion. So, like, I could see not Daniel Jones having that kind of bump, but, like, we we fully acknowledge that Brian Dable is working magic. And the fact that he got what he did out of Daniel Jones is impressive. And the, the bar is low to clear as far as elite quarterback play in the NFC. Like, I could totally see Daniel Jones. Like, they're committed to him. Like, the, Brian Dable is committed to him. Like, he has a full level of investment in him. Like, I could totally see Daniel Jones becoming like Eli Manning, so to speak, which I mean is a compliment here, not as a insult <laughs> we normally do. I mean, he better because they've, you know, they've given him more things to work with. There needs to be a step up from last year to this year in terms of his situation. But for my step back player, I have Daniel Jones because I think you can easily make the case for it in the standpoint that, and shout out to good friend Jimmy Kemsky here who did his uh, recent NFC uh hierarchy rankings and there was a good note some good notes in there about daniel jones the most conservative quarterback in the nfl last year in terms of intended average air yards at 6.3 yards through the air per throw and then quote unquote air yards to the sticks on average his passes landed 2.8 yards short of the sticks the Giants offense didn't hit big plays in the passing game last year. They had 28 passing plays of 20 plus yards. That was the fewest in the NFL. Okay, now you can be like, well, they added Darren Waller. They added Jalen Hyatt. There's going to be uh, an uptake in those plays. And I agree that there's the upside for that. But here's the thing. Daniel Jones turnovers were way down last year. And it's probably not unrelated to him being suddenly really conservative. So the trick here is going to be managing uh the turnovers relative to the big plays obviously they can get more big plays and there's going to be some uptick in turnovers but it's to what extent and i think if you look at daniel jones track record well you could worry about it might be a big extent and he might be a quarterback who needs to play super conservative to really keep those down or else he is fumbling a lot again or else he is throwing a lot of picks so uh, i actually have him taking a step back simply from a standpoint of i think it's gonna be hard for him to keep the turnovers down like he did last year as he's challenged to do more until we see it happen. So I think that there's a teeny misconception about his turnover thing and the fact that like he was way down last year. Do you know how many interceptions Daniel Jones threw in 2021? So not last year. I mean, the interceptions haven't always been the killer for him no, as much play, as the... Play, play my game. Play my game, please. Yeah, how but many the fumbles have been a huge uh, issue, play, though. Play my game, please. How many interceptions uh, did he throw in I'm looking at it right now, so he had seven in 2021. But that was in 11 he, games, mind you. Right, that's fair. He had five last year, right? So, okay. And similarly, from a fumble standpoint, now, 11 games versus 16, which is fair to say, in 2021, he had seven fumbles. Last year, he had six fumbles. So, mm -hmm. like, again, like the the like whoa he he literally cut down by three turnovers like you know what i'm saying like which are substantial but like it's not like he went from like Jameis winston to you know like whatever i mean you know what i'm saying like and so i i think that we make a little bit too much out of that that molehill um into a mountain um even even the fumble number like the fumble number was obviously ridiculous his rookie season led the nfl with 19 and then he cut that in half and, and which isn't hard to do but you know the next year he had 10 so, like, we have seen improvement in the fumble category. We have seen improvement in the interception category. And we've seen that improvement even prior to Brian Dable's arrival. So, again, like, I think Daniel Jones 
is we we acknowledge he is athletic. He now has maybe the best supporting cast that he's ever had. He has the best coach and play caller he's ever had. He has the best defense he's ever had. He's in a position in the NFC to succeed more than he's ever been. I mean, like, you know, I I'm I'm buying a little bit of the Daniel Jones stock. I admit that it's low, but like I'm I'm buying it right now. Well, he so better I step disagree. up because if he doesn't, then they just give a big contract to a player who uh, it could be not great. Uh, who's your step back candidate? I think I thought you were going to take the low hanging fruit. So I'm I'm going to take it like I'm going to pluck this off for us. Mm-hmm. How like it has to be Saquon. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, look, you and I, we we have the egg on our face. Like, look at us. We're a bunch of eggheads. You know what I mean? Like, that's who we are. But like, again, if, if we're talking step back, dude had 1300 rushing yards last year. Like he had over yeah. 1600 total yards last year. I mean, and he had 10 touchdowns last year. Like, again, I, I would love to see Saquon succeed because he's a cool dude and, like, he's a fun player. And, you know, obviously I don't want the Giants to succeed. But, you know, he like, I have no qualms with Saquon. But that being said, it's just so unlikely. Like, he, he is already the exception. That You know what I'm saying? That, like, last year was the exception. It, it was similar to the Adrian Peterson 2012 MVP year. You know what I mean? Like, showing up and proving everybody wrong, defying all of the odds, et cetera, et cetera. And good for Saquon. I mean, I hope somebody pays him. I hope the Giants pay him in the future. But I just really, really would would not bet on this happening again. I'm not, not continuing to rediscover the fountain of youth, even though he's already a young player. The Giants aren't betting on it, at least to this point. I mean, they tagged him, and they've been right. – it seems like they've been pretty reluctant to give – and they – not only did they tag him, but they really wanted to tag him in that, like, they didn't want to pay – or they didn't want to have to tag Daniel Jones because they wanted to be able to use that option on Saquon because I think, rightfully so, they acknowledge there's still value in having Saquon here in 2023. Like, we can get one more year, good year probably out of him, potentially – um, but beyond that, we don't really want to be paying for his 2025 season and his 2026 season. Maybe 2024 will work out too. Um, they could always tag him again if he has a good year and they really want to keep him around another year. Although I'm sure things would get complicated a little bit at that point. But um, still, an option available to them. So, yeah, I mean, I did think about Saquon. That was not not on my brain. But we've already like done the anti-Saquon thing here so much that I'm, I felt bored yeah. talking about it. Uh, so I'm fine with you taking it. Um, okay, the Washington Commanders. Um, I'm in Commanders who, territory, RJ. Who I guess technically finally have a new owner. I know it's. I mean, like again, it's not I, approved yet officially. It's just it's you know it's so complicated that you know the way all this happens. But they're about to have a new owner. Um, my actually a quick question before we pick these. Um, how would you feel about them changing names again? I think they should. I you know I'm I'm not a fan of commanders. You know what I mean? Like I'm they like should. go 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 all in with the new yeah. era. I'm super fine with that. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like new mascot, new name. Now we have a new owner. It's like, well, shouldn't the the new owner have decided that? Yeah. <laughs> um okay. Um breakthrough, I'll go first. Um now I will say this is hard because it's contingent upon stable quarterback play, but my answer is Jahan Dotson. Um and yeah. so I don't believe in Sam Howell. Um, but Jahan Dotson, I think I, I was like, okay, you took Jahan Dotson last year. Kind of, you know, got some more egg on my face. Got a lot of egg happening here. Um, maybe that's what's causing the allergies, is like all the wow. egg on my face. But um Yeah, you get salmonella poisoning. You don't want that. Uh wow. What's your favorite uh, kind of egg preparation? Um, over medium. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I want a little bit of yolk. I don't want su- I don't like super runny. I think people that like super runny eggs are weird. I'm sorry. Like, uh, why do you want you want to drink them? You want a straw? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a funny way to put it. You want to drink your eggs. Uh, um, and scrambled to scrambled to me is so boring. Like, do, do, do you eat it's like pretty it's pretty boring? 
it's also difficult to eat. Like, are you poking at it with the fork? Are you scooping it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so not a fan. I like a good over medium egg in a sandwich. So when I take the bite, the yolk sure. kind of like surrounds the bread. So anyway, um, Jahan Dotson. Well, I think um, poached wow. is really good. That's go fine. Poached. I'm not a fan of deviled eggs. No, definitely not. That's disgusting. Yeah. I don't like cold uh, savory in general. Right. Um, 12 games last year for Jahan Dotson. 35 catches, 523 yards, seven touchdowns. The opportunity mm-hmm. is going to be there. I know we both are fans of Terry McLaurin. They sneakily have one of the better wide receiver duos in the NFL. Like, that's what we've said. Like, they find stable quarterback play. I know Jacoby Brissett's there now. You know what I mean? Whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a fan. I mean, Jahan Dotson, I could totally see having, like, a 1,000 yards quietly and then turning into what Terry McLaurin was at the beginning of his career. They have Terry McLaurin, they have Christian McCaffrey, so they're in uh, Curtis Samuel, so they're 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 firing on all cylinders. I mean, yeah, Dotson would have had like a, okay, he only had 523 yards last year, but he missed time due to right. injury. And I think, um, assuming he's able to stay healthy, I think he's gonna put up big numbers, yeah. And and I think, uh, he, he did that last year with not great quarterbacks and then Wentz and Heineke, so I'm not really too worried about him being quarterback dependent. I think he's gonna be able to get his even with McLaurin on the team. So uh, I did have Dotson here as well. If I'm going to honorable mention or just not trying to only agree with you, I did put Brian Robinson down. I do think, you know, him having a normal off season and again, not being shot is could be like a really big deal. It's crazy that he kind of was able to have any kind of success that he did last year after that, not only from a physical standpoint, but think of that psychologically, you were shot. That is extremely traumatic. Um, and could have been at the end of his life. So I think um, being in a more normal place uh, and kind of being on a team, I mean, so maybe it doesn't work out so much from a game script standpoint. If we think the commanders are going to be as bad as we think they are, then it could be tough for them to run the ball as much as uh, it might take for him to break out. Uh, but I'm interested to see what he can do in year two. And and, I, and to the point of game script, that's why another reason why Dotson could be a big breakout player is because the commanders should be down a lot of these games and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think the, for as much as we are not bullish by any means on the commanders, I do think they have like some interesting young players on their, their roster that you look at and it's like, you're not really scared of it now, but you're like, okay, if they kind of can get the right quarterback in place, you know, maybe they have enough to work with here and surround him eventually. I agree with that. I mean, but they have ignored the most important position in the game. But, yep. you know, Ron Rivera just needs more time. Um, okay, uh, step back candidates. Mine is kind of weird, um, hmm. but I think Chase Young is going to float into, like, total, you know, obscurity. Like, What's he going to step like, back th- from? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think... Like Chase Young will be cut next offseason, and then like wow. Chase Young is the new Jadeveon Clowney, or not cut. He just won't have his, con- you know, won't yeah. get a, a new contract with the Commanders. Like he'll be the new Jadeveon Clowney. Like, oh, should we get Clowney? Should we get Chase Young? You know, like that's that's the that's like path he's on. Yeah. Um. And and so like it, I, like because I'm even using myself as an example. Well, they didn't pick up the fifth year option. Like my initial like superficial level response is like, wow, that's crazy. But like I know that's not crazy. You know what I mean? Like, but you can't get past that because. They took him second overall. He was this incredibly productive college player. And he wasn't just an incredibly productive college player. He was really good. Like, he was an amazing rookie. You know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah. kind of thought, like, man, we were, we're a little bit screwed here. Like, they kind of figured this out. Um, maybe, you know, commanders just never pick somebody at number two overall again. Like, you're proving they can have amazing rookie seasons and then just kind of never really work out for you after that. Uh, but I know we've played this game before, so I'm not going to make you guess. He played three games last year and nine the year before. He has played in 12 games over the last two years. And so, like, 
I think he might be like the same dude, even if he plays double digit games, like that's who he is at this point in time. Like he's played no football basically for two years. I mean, so I think he floats into obscurity. I think there's just a lot of name value there. Yeah. It's hard to. Plus there aren't a lot of step back candidates. Like they're really bad. You know what I mean? Like it's difficult. I'm happy. I'm confident in mine, which I'll get to, but yeah, I think with Chase Young, it's impossible to give him the benefit of the doubt. You can't just talk about the pedigree. I think people get sucked into pedigree way too much. Like at some point you have to look at the reality of what's happening now and not just the fact that he was this high pick years ago. Like that doesn't mean anything necessarily. There's players all the time who get drafted high and then turn out to be bust. So like, just because he was highly thought of doesn't mean it's going to pan out. Um, and I thought last year the handling of his return was really weird and also very bad signal for the rest of his career. Because remember that? It was like, oh, he's eligible, but he's still not practicing. And then they use that excuse one week. Oh, he's sick, so he can't play. Well, but then remember that I'm sorry, they acted like he was just going to be on pup. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this yep. is just like a beginning of the season right. thing. You know what I mean? And like, it just, it was a disaster. Yes. Right. It's one of those situations where, like, I guess, um, like the year that, or whatever, that one season, Andrew Luck missed the whole year or a lot of time. Remember, like, they were like, right. oh, don't worry about it. Like, he's going to come back. It's like one of those things where they just keep putting it off. But it's like Kawhi like, with the Spurs. That hurt me deeply. Yep, By the way, Wem- Wemby, way baby. Let's go. Oh. Oh, okay. Wemby, no one cares. <laughs> um, I mean, good for the Spurs. I don't really care. Uh, I don't hate the Spurs. I'm, they're fine. Uh, I, I feel like they're my like my only team that I you know root for that you like respect. <laughs> I feel like all the other teams I root for you hate on some level. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. I but I so. feel like the the Spurs have like worldwide respect. Like, there's nobody who hates the Spurs for like sound reasons. You know what I mean, it's just like, oh, they beat my team or whatever. So, yeah, yeah anyway. I don't mind the Spurs. Uh, so I think. Uh, yeah, Chase Young, not in the best spot. My step back player for the commanders is Deron Payne because we're talking about a guy who had 11 and a half sacks last year after only having 14 and a half in his first four years combined. He could still have a good year next year and it'd still be a big step back. Like, that's just it's not just like saying he's going to step back in production, he's the step back, but it's like there's going to be, I feel like, a significant drop off from 11 and a half sacks. Like, if I could bet on him not having double digit sacks, that'd be a great bet. I feel like I would I would want to do, and a lot of people would do, um, because it's just hard to get to that point again. I do think you have to. I don't know Deron Payne, you know, at all when it comes to a personal level. Um, but looking at the history of the Washington Football franchise, they've handed out some deals to players on contract years before, and it hasn't always aged well. And I wonder if there is some of that going on. A certain player like really elevates their game in their contract year. And then it, you kind of don't don't see that same drive or hunger uh, after they get paid. Um, so yeah, I have him dropping off after having eleven and a half sacks last year. I think that's a common theme with some of the the names we've talked about is just like hitting a wall, and like that's where Deron Payne is at, right? Like you just you can't continue to be good or great or whatever forever. Like that just you know so like any kind of regression is technically a step back, however we define that to be. So like I think that's a fair pick in that sense. Um, I do think it's hard to pick. Like, I think that like there's nowhere to go but up for the commanders. So like, right. you know, even Deron Payne like regressing, I don't think is like the biggest deal. I don't think anybody's like afraid of that. Like the other 
hit the wall players we mentioned. Like if Demarcus Lawrence or Lane Johnson regressed, it would be like seismic for their teams. You know what I'm saying? Like it wouldn't necessarily be for the Commanders. It's just kind of who they are. Um, I think I was looking at their offensive line. Maybe like Charles Leno, Andrew Norwell. Those are like aging vets. They could take one of those guys could take. And also Andrew Norwell had some really bad games last year, especially against the Eagles. Like Javon Hargrave was like eating his lunch. Um, so uh, right, there could be some trouble there. Um, last thing before we get out of here and I go ice my face. Um, this just happened while we were recording. And again, we're what? recording early Tuesday morning, earlier than usual. Um, NFL owners approved the resolution to put the ball on the 25 yard line following a fair catch on a kickoff specifically, uh, special teams coordinators and special teams specialists around the NFL, uh, were heavily opposed to this. Uh, Wait, what's but this the is the difference here from normal. It was the 20. Like on kickoffs, like so, like if if there's a, if there was a, t- I believe this is correct. If there was a touchback, like if the ball went through the end zone on the kickoff, you started at the twenty five yard line. Now, if you call for a fair catch, it also starts at the twenty five yard line. You get what I'm saying? At any point, <clears throat> so you can just no on a kickoff. So like yeah. if if you call for a fair catch at the one yard line or oh, so you can't do the mortar kicks anymore where you're trying to kick. Like, you know, to the two, you're trying to get the ball to like the two yard line or one yard line. So they have to take it out. They right. can't take the touchback. So, but now they can just call a fair catch at that point from the Correct. two. Now, 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 now calling for a fair catch is a variable. They can call okay, for a fair so, catch and that, and that puts the ball at the 25 yard line. So they took away the mortar kicks, basically. That's what they're saying. I've never heard that term, but I mean, yeah. if, if you want to call it like the strategy of like, I don't, maybe not like, do you remember when kick, that but... kick happened to the, uh, in an Eagles Cowboys game? What was it in 20? Uh, I forget what it was, but uh, um, there was a short kickoff. And... I remember. Tony Pollard was in 2020 really struggling at handling kickoffs. And it was things like that. Like they were, you know, special teams coaches were kind of like landing the ball right in front of the goal line to force him to have to bring it out because he was really struggling to gauge things. Uh, There was a game in Seattle, I think, um, where he kind of like foolishly let it bounce around thinking it was going to fall out of bounds or trickle out the back of the end zone. And it didn't. And then he had to pick it up and he got to like the four yard line out of the Mm. like chaos and panic. Now though, to the point you just mentioned, you Tony Pollard or whoever can call for a fair catch and you get the ball at the 25 yard line. Yeah. I forget. What was it? 20. I forget what it was, but there was an Eagles Cowboys game where like ball took a super weird bounce and the Cowboys recovered the kickoff. And it was just like the Eagles were not going to win that game. Maybe it was the twenty. I think you're thinking of the um, fourteen. Who, who was the Eagles linebacker um, that that said that they choke or whatever? No, that was no, that was um, that, that was, was in Aiden. Dallas. This game was in Philly. I'm in Philly, um, I, the game I always think about along those lines. This is very different. It was I think 2008 Monday Night Football. Steelers Dolphins there was like a punt I don't know if you remember this that like it was it was like soaking wet and it just like like stuck in the ground I always remember that um but anyway um the the value of special teams returners is like all-time low you know what I'm saying like what what is a a returner adding to your game like you don't have to call for a fair catch but like if you weigh the pros and cons like it's like call hey there's uh Phillips dad I assume um where presume behind you I don't know if this is the bit you're doing. What are you, talk- what are you talking about? <laughs> somebody just walked into the room that you're in. I don't see anyone. I mean, I don't know if this is part of the bit. Like you're somebody who like the nobody knows where the bit starts and ends, but somebody walked in. Somebody walked in and waved. <laughs> where? Behind you. 
that go read the YouTube about. comments when we're done, and everybody you know will tell you that somebody walked in. So remember the wedding? Uh, have you ever seen the wedding photo of the couple and there's like that demon man in the middle? No. Um, there's like this picture of a couple, and they're just like posed together where they're like there's like their faces are close or something, and there's like this little space in between, and it looks like there's like someone there. There isn't clearly because you look at the rest of the picture, and like there, there isn't room for someone like that. But it's really bizarre. You gotta look that up. It's pretty freaky. Um. Well, I'm not gonna look it up. But, I saw Guardians uh, of the Galaxy three, by the way, last night. Oh yeah. Um. Was it good? I think it was a little long. Like not long in terms of just the runtime. In terms of like longer than it needed to be. Mm, okay. I really want to see the Super Mario movie. Um. I want to see that too. Yeah. So. Did you see someone uploaded it to Twitter? <laughs> I've seen like that account. I think that just yeah. tweets like. Movies. the full whatever like blah 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 like i've seen that floating around too thanks Eli. um i can't what did i watch this weekend that was really nothing um nothing great so i'm finishing up season four of drive to survive i got that going on so congrats to me oh this week uh ser- season finale of survivor and series finale of succession yeah. you don't watch succession but who wins survivor and th- let's leave after we after we pick uh who wins, who wins survivor um the final s- Six final five. I'm gonna say are, yeah, um, yeah uh, we've got Jam Jam, uh, Carolyn, Jam Jam, uh, Carson, Jamie, and Heidi. Heidi, no, no and um, Jamie's out. Oh, okay, Heidi and Lauren. Spoiler alert! But and Lauren it was last week. Yeah, you forgot Lauren. So who wins? Lauren. Oh yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Jam Jam. I think if Jam Jam makes final, he wins. Like I think oh, yeah. Jam Jam can can sway the I, jury. I genuinely do want to see the Tika three make it because I think that would be like one of the best. It would just be one of the best final threes ever. And you could like you could. I want to go into the final three thinking anyone could win because I think anyone could. I think Jam Jam would win, but I think like there is a scenario, or at least it's not going to be like seven one or whatever or whatever right. the vote split is. It'll be like be like four three one or whatever. Like I think it could be a lot close. I want it to be. I want it to be very close. I think that people think Carson can win, but I think if it's the Tika three, I think Carson gives the worst speech of the three or the least compelling speech. I think Carolyn and Jam Jam would be way more charismatic and charming than he would be. I think just because they're such great characters. I think he could do great. And I think it's just tough as a younger person for him to get that kind of respect from Mm -hmm. like older people. I just don't think they're, you know, it's not, I'm saying it's, it could be an unfair bias. It could also be deserved more than one. Would you have voted Carolyn out if you had been Carson and Jam Jam? I feel like there's no reason for Carson to keep Carolyn around. I don't right. get why he's keeping her around. But um, I but yeah. from I don't care just about the uh, mechanics at this point. Also, I just want to see the most compelling thing, an interesting thing. I think the most interesting thing from an entertainment standpoint is all three of them making it. Okay. That was Survivor yeah. Talk here on the NSC's mixtape. Uh, and with that, Brandon, the tribe has spoken. Uh, give us your three favorite things about fire. And the spirit of things about fire. I love Look behind you again. Behind you again. Where? Where? Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that who was there earlier? Yeah. Oh, man. Is that that Phillips, Dad? Yeah. Okay. That's what I was saying. And you were like, what? What are you doing the bit? The bit was dumb. It's Holden. That's Holden? Holden, maybe get your own ride to DC. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's. yeah. Um. Anyway. Um, hey, can you ask Holden how it feels to root for teams that lose in the playoffs all the time? I like looking at fire. Uh, I think it's 
relaxing, nice. Um, I like the smoke smell sometimes. Not like when you're like breathing smoke and inhaling in your face, but like afterwards when you like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. smell your like coat after like a winter fire and it's that hearty uh, wood or fire smell. And I like that you can cook on it. Um, the Denver Broncos just released Brandon McManus. Temple Zone. I like when you like if you roast a hot dog on an open flame. It's a great time. I want Brandon McManus to be the Cowboys kicker. Okay, that's what I want. Let's wrap this up. Shout out to Fire. Shout out to Blink One Eighty Two. Shout out to Fire. And shout out to An arsonist. Um. Shout out to the Tika Three. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.